Welcome to the Between the Hashes podcast, the rebirth, the 2.0 version. We recorded one episode of almost a year ago and just never got published. So that's something. But we're back. Um, if you didn't see the probably one tweet we put out, I'm Jay Kassan, I'm joined by Sean O'Leary, uh, two college students bringing you the latest in college football and the NFL. Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I will just take responsibility for the uh, first episode not being published because that, <laughs> that was definitely on me, the lost episode, as I've called it the one time. But we're back. We decided to bring a rebirth of it. And, <clears throat> I mean, we'll, we'll just do a short introduction. Um, I'm a junior at the University of Illinois, go Big Ten. I'm a real big fan of the run-up-the-middle and short-pass football. I see it all the time. Um, but, yeah, I'm a junior here. I'm a journal- journalism major and obviously working on that through this podcast. Um, I am a sophomore at the University of Nevada, Reno. Um, not a big fan of Mountain West football <laughs> uh, at all. It's quite boring and just not good football all around um yeah i've written a few places i've written with jake before um shout out ro baseball r.i.p and (laughs) r.i.p and yeah that's about it all right well those are introductions if you want to know more you can follow me at jake asan too sean i don't know yours off the top of my head so you're gonna have to say Mm. your own tag mine is at sean m o'leary sean is s-e-a-n just so you know get it mixed up all right and i mean let's just get right into it starting we'll start with the college scene uh the first thing that we have on our notes to hit is that clemson versus texas a&m game clemson obviously national title contenders everyone's saying that they could lift that trophy again for the second time in the last three years and a&m gave them a surprisingly close game uh, we know A&M, their program kind of has fallen off a little bit the last few years while Clemson's has risen. And Clemson barely wins 28-26. I mean, Sean, what did you see that Clemson couldn't pull away and A&M was able to play them so close? Um, so this is what I've said all since the beginning of last year. I don't see Clemson as a tr- – I they, they can contend, but I don't see them as a true contender with Alabama if Kelly Bryant is the starting quarterback. I know he's just, I think he's a senior now. He's been there a long time, but uh, Trevor Lawrence is far better. He has a far better arm. He's just an all-around better quarterback. And I, I don't know what happened with Clemson's defense because Kellen Mond was, he was okay last year, but he threw for 430 yards and three touchdowns, which um, I didn't see coming. I don't think anyone saw coming. I think most people thought this was going to be a blowout. So. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that they didn't swip, uh, swap ranking spots with Georgia this past week. Yeah, and me and you talked about a couple weeks ago, Bryant is not the answer for this Clemson team. And I, I think Lawrence, I mean, Lawrence didn't light it up. He was five, 5 of 9 for 93 yards and a touchdown. And, I mean, he doesn't really bring you a lot of rushing ability. I, I think maybe that's why Dabo Swinney was leaning towards Bryant through these first two games because Bryant can run a little bit. But, I mean, you have to go with Lawrence going forward, right? 
Yeah, he's clearly the better option, even as a true freshman with two games under his belt. I don't think, I think that Dabo is just kind of doing this because Kelly Bryant's uh, been there a long time and he's backing up Deshaun Watson and he warned under Deshaun Watson, but it, it's so clear that Trevor Lawrence is the answer and the future of Clemson. Yeah, and like you said, he's a true freshman, so I mean, they have at least one more year with him after this year, anyway. And I mean, that Clemson defense, anyone can lead. I mean, they anyone can follow behind them. You let that defense do work, even though they didn't <clears throat> against A and M. But most games, you let that defense do what they do, and you just have to be an average quarterback to get Clemson a win. Yeah, and even I mean, they have someone who. I, I was listening to a draft podcast earlier today and someone and T Higgins who people are already looking at as a wide receiver one in 2020. Mm-hmm. He's six, four, 200. You just have to throw it up to him and he's going to catch it. And I, Clemson last year with Kelly Bryant lost to Syracuse. And I just have a feeling that they're going to lose another weird game like that this year. And they got too close for comfort with A&M. Yeah, I mean, the good news for Clemson, I think, is that this game happened early. It happened in week two, and it's a game that they know they should have won. I mean, they should, they easily should have won this by probably two or three scores. And, and I mean, going forward, like you said, T. Higgins, I mean, three catches for 123 yards with that long 64-yard catch. I mean, that was unbelievable. And then you have old faithful Hunter Renfro there, too. So Future Patriot. Yeah, absolutely. He's absolutely built for that. But I think Clemson, this is a wake-up call for them. I think, obviously, we talked about Bryant probably is not the starter going forward. And then they play next week. You play Georgia Southern next week. So that's an opportunity for you to beat up on a team, on a lesser team, and really get back into rhythm. I mean, Lawrence should be able to throw all over them, you would hope. But I, I think Clemson's probably back to their dominant ways next week, right? Um, yeah. If if Kelly Bryant struggles even a little bit, I think that we start seeing Trevor Lawrence get more and more work. So you you think Bryant's the starter next week? Yeah, I think okay. he's a starter until he until I he's proven it to everyone else except Dabo that he's not very good. So right. I guess he just needs to be terrible and show Dabo. I mean, he, he needs to be bad against Southern next week. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, if, exactly. I mean, if he can't play, if he can't make the throws against Southern, then you can't confidently go forward with him into conference play. No, yeah, no. You, especially, I mean, Virginia Tech's looked really good. So yeah, um, and yeah, Miami's yeah. Miami has a defense, but well, I'm I'm not too high on them. So <laughs> um, we'll keep moving west. Uh, the, our other game that we had in our notes, Michigan State. Losing to ASU, the Herm Edwards era, starting with a huge win against a the number 15th ranked Michigan State. And granted, Michigan State's not what they used to be, but I mean, still, I mean, that's a Big Ten team that was, it was in, uh, it was, it was at in ASU, Tem- right? Yeah, it was in Tempe, yeah. Okay, I mean, but still, I mean, Michigan State had to be thinking they were going to go in there and get a win, and they lose 16-13. to 13. I mean, that was probably the most surprising upset of so far. I mean, it's only been two weeks, but that's a huge upset for Michigan State. 
Yeah, and I mean, the Michigan State has a first round quarterback, so you should be able to go in and beat up on an ASU team that brought in a new coach. Even if Herm Edwards might be the greatest college coach of all time, I'm not too sure yet. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll we'll see. But one thing that really there are a couple things. So they Michigan State could not get the run game going, and that's. Mm-hmm. Part of what held them back, their starting running back, LJ Scott, only had 17 yards, and it looks like he's hurt. I thought I saw a little blur about it earlier. I can't quite remember. But yeah. And then for ASU, Nikhil Harry is a beast. Six yeah. six catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. That's another one of those guys you can just throw it up to. He's too too big to be how athletic he is. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned Brian Lewerk. I mean, he did not look good. He didn't look comfortable at all. I mean, he had a touchdown and interception. I think he had a fumble too that he ended up recovering, but he didn't lose it. But still, I mean, ASU kept, like you said, a first, a future first round quarterback, probably just on his toes the entire game. He just never really looked comfortable at all. I, I honestly don't have an answer for, for what happened, what happened in Arizona. I, I thought I thought they were gonna. I thought Michigan was gonna steamroll ASU. I don't. I don't quite know what's going on. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's just a crazy loss for Michigan State's take. I mean, they have a weird thing. They have Indiana next week, and then Central Michigan. But I mean, then they go Northwestern at Penn State, hosting Michigan, hosting Purdue. I mean, that's a tough stretch that they have coming up. Purdue's not ranked, but they're still a tough team despite their Week One loss. I mean, and obviously, I mean, just the Big Ten in general. I mean, it, it's not going to get easier for Michigan State. And, I mean, you have to imagine they're going to fall now. They're ranked. I mean, yeah, they fell to 25. And if they don't, if they don't get their act together, they could, they could not be ranked the rest of the year, especially with that tough stretch coming up. Mm-hmm. If, yeah, I just don't, I, I thought what rookie was going to be like, better than he has been i i guess you have to because he's gonna be a first round pick but he just looks so skittish in the pocket Mm -hmm. and he i don't it's weird it's not like michigan state has a bad offensive line i mean it's not wisconsin but it's still a decent line and he's got decent protection Mm -hmm. i mean yeah i I think go ahead i know i was just gonna i was i don't really know what to say about this it's just it's one of the more baffling things through two weeks of the college football season to me yeah i mean it was just a collapse by michigan state's defense i think more than i mean obviously scoring zero points in the fourth quarter is not what you want and you know just giving up the lead and route to giving up 13 points in the fourth quarter i mean props to arizona state i mean props to herm edwards i don't think we saw them getting a signature win like this this early in his first year and maybe not even at all in his first year but i mean for what he's got they look good i mean like you said Nikhil Harry looks really good. I mean, they got a legitimate player there, and I think, I mean, I don't think we're expecting much out of Arizona State. They're two and zero, but I mean, considering their conference and who they have to play coming up, I I think they might have just had their highlight of the season in week two, unless they upset yeah. Washington in two weeks, which would be uh, look. I'm not going to put it past Herm Edwards to pull some tricks because Jake Browning is not very good, and I don't know. I mean, it would be surprising, but I mean, wait, never say never. The greatest, 
if the greatest college football coach in history is beating number 10 Washington, then, I mean, is it really that much of an upset? <laughs> I guess it's <laughs> a good point. Oh, uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what Michigan state does against Indiana. Uh, you would expect them to win, but of course that's what we expect against Arizona and then Arizona state going forward. Uh, and their Pac-12, see what what else Herm Edwards has up his sleeve. Uh, just gonna keep chugging along here. Oklahoma, UCLA. That too. Uh, you you wanted to take this one, so I'll defer to you and let you gush for a little bit. Yeah. So I have a question for you. I know I'm, I know my answer is Kyler Murray, the Heisman frontrunner through two weeks of the college football season. <sighs> I I think yes. I mean, who else? I mean, I guess, uh, I guess you could say maybe Haskins. I think Haskins. Maybe, I think you said maybe um, Dwayne Haskins would be the closest. I would say, I would say the top three right now are Murray, Haskins, and Jonathan Taylor. But I do think that Kyle Murray is the front runner. He had 306 passing yards, three touchdowns, and then two more on the ground. And it looked like it was going to be a great day until they got the news about Ronnie Anderson. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a huge blow to a team that looked like it could be back in the playoff. Um, They have a true freshman and Trey Sermon, or true freshman, true sophomore now, and Trey Sermon who looked really good behind Anderson last year. Um, So I have enough faith in Lincoln Riley to be able to scheme something up, but that that's still a huge blow. I mean, it's kind of incredible what Lincoln Riley has been able to come in and do after taking the reins. I mean, Oklahoma's six ranked. I mean, obviously it helps when you have a generational talent like Kyler Murray in there, but still, I mean, he's captaining this team very well. And I mean, Murray is just unbelievable. I mean, it's, he's much, he's must watch TV so far. Yeah, and it, it's it's just so weird to go from one of the most efficient and maybe the best season by a quarterback in the past, I don't even know how long, in Baker Mayfield last year. And now you come to Kyler Murray, who everyone had their concerns about how small he was and if he was really going to if he was really going to want to take big hits with being drafted by the A's and mm-hmm. he has just shown that he does not care. Uh, yeah. he he got his money so he's gonna he's gonna go win his national championship right and i mean that's that's the crazy part so that's i mean you you hit it being drafted by the a's was it ninth overall ninth overall yeah and gets a ton of money when he signs and the a's oakland a's say go ahead play football for a year they said right one year mm-hmm. it, yeah they, it was one year in his contract I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, even if you're the A's, even though it's a completely different sport, just to be able to watch the athleticism that this guy has, I mean, you have to be excited about that too. Oh, for sure. And uh, one more thing. Um, I am going to say this now. Hear me now. Believe me later. Uh, the 2019 Cleveland Browns head football coach is going to be Mr. Lincoln Riley. Really? Yes, sir. Okay, <laughs> I think I think he's good. Think he's going to leave, and I think he's going to. Uh, if the Browns fire Hugh, which you would think they would have to, unless he pulls a pulls a winning season out of nowhere, um, that 
Wake and Riley want to go work with Baker Mayfield in a perfect world. This right, is just yeah. me, me wanting to see Oklahoma Baker Mayfield tear up the NFL. Right. Yeah. But um, other than that, in this game, UCLA's quarterback looked pretty good. They still have a long ways to go with Chip Kelly, but their future looks decently bright. Yeah, the Chip Kelly era is going just about how you'd expect getting getting beaten by Cincinnati uh, at home and then just getting smacked around by Kyler Murray for four quarters uh, in Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, Chip Kelly era is going just about as we'd expect. Like you said, I mean, UCLA has a long way to go. Meanwhile, I mean, Oklahoma just looks like they're not stopping anytime soon. They're just pumping guys out. <laughs> now at this point yeah. took him a while like to get I, there like i said it's crazy that going from one of the best quarterback seasons of all time and a playoff appearance and him leaving for the nfl they haven't skipped a beat yeah i mean again it helps when you have a generational talent there to guide you <laughs> to guide you through that yeah i mean it's crazy i'm really looking forward to watching kyler murray the rest of the way uh, and hopefully, I, I would love to see him in the playoff. Uh, if you if Oklahoma can get up that high in the rankings, uh, Kyler Murray on a national stage would be absolutely electric. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. I mean, just keep going on. To number 10, Stanford versus uh, number 17, USC. Stanford wins 17-3. I, I feel like this Stanford kind of... I feel like they won by more than we thought. I thought it'd be a closer game. Um, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is that JT Daniels looked like someone who should still be a senior in high school. Yeah. Um, of, of course, I'm not actually like game like Rutan, but he, he did um, reclassify and he's only 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a tough thing to follow up. Um, Sam Darnold was one of the best USC quarterbacks in the past few years. And you're coming in as an 18 year old true freshman and winning the starting job. I mean, kudos to him, but he just, he hasn't looked like he was hyped up to be so far in him. It's only two games and he's 18. I have to keep reiterating that, but just so far he hasn't looked like that guy. yet. Yeah. I mean, coming up, it doesn't get easier at Texas, and even though, I mean, we've all made the jokes like Texas is not back, but I mean, going into Texas as an 18 year old is probably still not an easy task. I mean, that's still going to be a decently tough assignment. Then after that, uh, they have WSU, but then at Arizona, then versus uh, hosting a surprising CU team at Utah, then ASU. I mean, it, it's not going to get easier, but I mean, if he can step up, and kind of prove himself a little bit more and show, okay, I do belong here, reclassifying. Like, he doesn't have to be a Heisman contender. He doesn't have to blow everyone away. He just has to be solid. Yeah, he he has to be Cody Kessler, for instance. <laughs> he was he was good at USC, but he was never, like, I mean, ideally USC would want him to be a Heisman contender in the next two, three years, but, it, yeah, but not. I'm, it's not happening this year. Yeah, I mean, this is building blocks. I mean, you're trying to go baby steps here. Yeah. Um, and on the other side of the ball with Stanford, Bryce Love. <laughs> I um, knew this was coming. <laughs> had had, an, had a good game. Um, 
he was really bad in the first game of the year, and uh, he's back to his old self, averaging 6.2 <laughs> yards per carry and a touchdown. He is um, really good. Yeah, I mean, you have to. He's probably the first running back that's going to be taken this year, right? In the draft, barring something unforeseen. Um. Yeah. Now that Anderson's out. Yeah, I think it it depends on if NFL teams can deal with the size mm-hmm. and the fact that he doesn't catch many balls. But and Anderson would have probably been the first one off the board had he not gotten hurt. So. I think it's between Love and Damien Harris, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, we've just been hearing about Bryce Love for the past two years now. I mean, he's a, he's a very strong runner, but you, like you said, I mean, the NFL is a passing league, and I mean, it doesn't seem like he. I mean, his receiving ability is still a question. I mean, if I mean, like you said, it's only been two games. We've said that a lot already, but I mean, who knows? Maybe he works on that, but. I mean, he's still so fun to watch. I mean, mm. 6.2 yards a carry, ripped off a 60-yarder. He's good. He's pretty, he's pretty good. He's electric. There's yeah, no absolutely. there's no denying that. If any, like, even if his NFL prospects don't pan out, he's going to be remembered as one of the most fun running back, uh, college running backs in a while. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, he's, yeah, he's very fun to watch. Um, but those were the top four games we had. Uh, taking a look at the rankings, obviously the top four stay the same. Um, obviously Alabama just, again, shellacked their opponent. Just, I mean, Alabama really doesn't play anyone noteworthy. I mean, yeah, sure, the Louisville game got hyped up, but we all knew what was going to happen there. I mean, Alabama's hung fifty at least 50 points on both their opponents the last two weeks. Um at, I mean, do we think at Ole Miss is going to be a tough game for them, really? I've been waiting for this one. So, um, Ole Miss is not going to be a tough game for them um, offensively because Ole Miss has is like um, Texas Tech of the ACT uh, of the SEC, but they have. I think there's no denying that Ole Miss has the best receiving core in the country. And Jordan Ta'amu was really, really good um, this past week. 448 yards and five touchdowns. And I think that this game, like all Alabama Ole Miss games, will be a shootout. And I do think that Alabama wins this, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as it has been. Especially with Tua having to, not that he has a problem with it so far, but having to play in a shootout like that. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. That was a very <laughs> that was a good take, actually, though, because you're right. Tua, he's electric, and he's obviously the most talented quarterback in that room. But I mean, he is prone to mistakes. I mean, we know he can make the occasional mistake. And Louisville and obviously Arkansas State are not very opportunistic defenses. I think Ole Miss has a lot more talent than those two teams. And so I, I think if Tua does make a mistake, Ole Miss does have the opportunity. They have the talent that they can make them pay. I mean, we've seen them do it before. I mean, Jordan Tom is better than Swag Kelly ever was. So, <laughs> and they have better receivers. They have possibly they have at least two, maybe three first round picks in this next draft. And I I think that they're one of the they're they're if they ever get ranked, it'll be the bottom 
the bottom, very end of the top 25, but I just think they're Texas Tech, essentially. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving farther down, Oklahoma and Wisconsin swap spots. Um, I mean, Wisconsin, I, I think they'll probably move back up there. I mean, they're just – I mentioned earlier, their offensive line is so good. Um, but, I mean, I don't really have any issues. Stanford moves up a spot. That them and Washington switch from 9 and 10. I think you could make a case for Penn State being 10 and Washington falling out, but also Penn State still – I'm not sure I'm sold completely on them. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, the top 10 I really have no issues with. Um, yeah, so I'm, I would rather see uh, – I like that Ohio State's – this is more of a personal reason, but I'm gra- glad that Ohio State's higher than Wisconsin because I – as much as I love Jonathan Taylor – and I love the offensive line and the defense. I cannot stand watching Alex Hornibrook play football. <laughs> and I, this, I don't think you're alone on that one, though. Oh, it is just. Oh. Um, but I agree on Penn State. Um, Miles Sanders looks really good. Mm-hmm. He looks really good. Um, but without Joe Moorhead, I really want to see what James Franklin can do with the offense, especially without without Saquon Barkley, without Mike Isicki, um, yeah. without Deshaun Hamilton. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, it will be interesting, especially in a couple weeks when uh, they host. No, they come to Champaign, actually. So that'll be interesting. But we'll get to that <laughs> at the end of this college segment. Um, I mean, other than that, the biggest thing is Boise State moved up into the teens. They were at 20 before. Uh Michigan State, obviously, you said dropped 10 spots all the way down to 25. They're probably, I mean, they're just hanging on at this point. Arizona State, Oklahoma State both move into the rankings at the very bottom. They're at 23, 24, respectively. I mean, who here, let's say we covered the top 10 in Penn State, so we covered the top 11. Who from 12 to 25 to you is the biggest threat to jump into, let's say, the top seven? Um, I, I think it depends on how he plays on how Joe Burrow plays, but I could definitely see LSU making that, making that jump because you took my answer. Um, <laughs> did I really? Yeah. <laughs> um, cause the, that running back whose name I can't think of off the top of my head, um, has looked really good through two games. Burrow has looked better than any quarterback they've had since, I, they haven't had a good one since I've started watching college football. And then of course they have greedy Williams and Devin white on the defense. So I think that they're really going to cause some issues in the sec. Yeah. I mean, huge game for them at Auburn next week, this upcoming week. Um, so that'll be a very interesting game that could really affect the rankings. And then after that, they have, uh, they're hosting Georgia on October 13th. So depending on how this Auburn game breaks and they play against Ole Miss uh, in a couple weeks, I mean, LSU, yeah. I mean, they were my, like I said, you stole my pick. I I think they're really good. Obviously you mentioned their defensive playmakers. They finally have a quarterback. Um, They're mine as well. But I also, West Virginia is very intriguing to me. Yeah. They, they're another one of those high powered offenses that, 
I think can make a run. I mean, Greer looks really good. I think we, I mean, we list our Heisman contenders, but I think Greer's a, a sneaky pick as well. I mean, he had four mm-hmm. touchdowns last week. Yeah. He, uh, he, yeah. David Sills and him are one of the best connections in the country. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I think they're very sneaky. I think West Virginia has been, I think they've been getting to this point for a long time. They were always kind of that, like, will they, won't they kind of pick, but I think this was the year, like they, they look good. Yeah, they do. And another one is Virginia Tech. Um, they whooped up on Florida State, Florida State, who actually might not be that good. Um, but <laughs> you think? Yeah, <laughs> I was I was pretty high on them, but yeah, no. <clears throat> um, and then this this doesn't have anything to do with um, the playoff, but I'm really interested in um, Boise State at Oklahoma State this week because um, we heard so much about how Boise State was the, maybe the best group of five team and seeing as how their Mountain West team, I've been following them a little bit. And I'm, I want to see if if they're for real after this week and if it's still UCF as the top group of five team. Right. Well, I mean, Oklahoma State is probably going to be their toughest game I mean, barring a charge up the rankings from San Diego State or UNM, maybe. <laughs> I mean, this is probably their toughest opponent that they're going to see. So they need to make a statement here if they want to keep climbing. Yeah, um, definitely, because the Mountain West is just terrible football. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of terrible football, we'll use that as a segue. <clears throat> uh, I guess I'll go first. We said we talked about the at, at this podcast we won't do too much Homer stuff, but at the end of each segment we'll or at the end of our college segments we'll talk about our teams. Uh, as I said, I'm at the University of Illinois. The Lovey Smith era, the last two years have not been kind to us. No, no conference wins last year. One in 2016 against Michigan State. I mean, it's been tough. It's it's been a tough couple of years, but. <clears throat> this this year there was a lot of hype. AJ Bush came over from Arizona. Rod Smith. Came, oh, he didn't come from Arizona. I'm thinking of someone else. Uh, where did AJ Bush come from? Uh, I should know this. Um, yeah, as the Illinois student, I should I should really know this. Um, well, actually, he's been all over. He was. I mean, he was. I mean, he's a grad transfer. He's been. He was at Nebraska. Then he went to Virginia Tech, and now he's at Illinois lefty guy i mean and i've liked what i've seen from him and this is the probably the first quarterback that illinois had since 2005 2006 i mean when they were actually the last time they were a good team um we've suffered through west lunt and chase crouch and cam thomas and the last few jeff george jr the last few years so i mean it it's it's better. It's getting better. There's slowly, it's getting better. Getting a lot of better better recruits, but having. So I I mentioned I am a journalism major here. I work on the newspaper staff, and I have the extreme privilege of sitting in the press box for the Illinois games. And the first game against Kent State, we're up there. Me and the print editor. I'm the on-air editor, so I run the radio show and a couple other things. So it's me and the print editor, and our two football beat reporters. We're sitting there, and it's about to kick off, and a press release comes through the through the box. 
and it's that Illinois, arguably three of their best players, Lou Dorsey, Bennett Williams, who was a uh, first-team rookie selection last year, first-year freshman selection, and Nate Hobbs, who is also one of our best defensive players, all are suspended indefinitely. And that comes to us about 10 minutes before kickoff. So everyone's furiously typing, trying to get a tweet out. (coughs) Our jaws just dropped. And the rumor is that they'll be back for Penn State after this final non-conference game against USF. But that was really just the epitome of Illinois football and just how it's gone for the last few years when three of your best players get suspended indefinitely right before kickoff of the first game of the season and then barely beating Kent state having to outscore them 28 to seven to beat them in the second half. So that's been a lot of fun and I'm sure we're about to get whooped by USF too at soldier field. And then, and then Penn state comes to champagne and they'll probably run all over us too, but who knows? Optimism is endless, isn't it? Um, no, I, I will have to say Optimus is not endless here in Reno, Nevada. <laughs> Um, so the Nevada Wolfpack opened the season last week against Portland state and hung 72 on, um, on them. Um, our quarterback threw three touchdowns. We had a receiver with 139 yards. It was looking good. Everyone was confident, um, going to Vanderbilt this past Saturday and it looked good through a half. They were only down a touchdown going into half. And then the wheels fell off and the final score was 41 to 10. Um, this team is just not very good. I, the passing game is decent. Um, the running game is non-existent, essentially. Uh, they lost their best player to the draft who when your best player is your offensive guard, um, you know, you're not very good and they have their schedule. Um, later on this year is Boise state comes to Reno. Then they go to Hawaii, which Cole McDonald leads the country in passing. And then they have San Diego state come here. So that's, three the probably the three top non-west teams in a row and things are not looking up it's um we're waiting for basketball season (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's pretty much the same here Uh, it's not (laughs) but yeah so that's good state of the union for jake and sean's team or uh, uh fun fact about the unr basketball team real quick sure so the two best players, the Martin twins, yes, they live um, across the way from me. They live oh. in my apartment building on my floor. Well, all right, yeah, yeah. So I, every time I see them, I get terrified because they're gigantic. Because they're enormous. <laughs> yeah, they're large men. Yes, <laughs> people forget um, that basketball players are pretty big. Yeah, <laughs> on to the NFL. On to the NFL, and let's not bury the lead here. Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers tied a game. The Cleveland Browns <clears throat> did not lose. It's incredible. It, it's really incredible. It's a miracle, really. Um, just think about how tough 
how bad you have to be for everyone to be excited that you didn't lose a game. You just tied a game. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, there are worse starts to a revamped. I mean, I mean, Cleveland, I'm sure they were expecting a loss. I'm sure Pittsburgh was expecting to beat them. How Pittsburgh didn't beat them is beyond me. But a tie, much less, not that the, just the Browns didn't lose, a tie. I love ties. So great. Um, I do not like ties, especially on opening week. Um, my roommate and I were sitting out watching the red zone and they just had the Browns game on full screen. And when Boswell missed the kick, it was in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter. Um, we were ecstatic and then Ben throws a pick and then Gonzalez gets his kick blocked and Tyrod throws a pick and it was just, um, Tyrod Taylor threw 40 passes in this game. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to read. Tyrod Taylor looked terrible. Yeah. He no, looked he awful. He did not look good. He did not look for good 40 for 197 yards, a touchdown and an interception. I mean, he had a QBR of 42.6. He ran for another 77 yards and another score, so that helps a little bit. But Tyrod Taylor looked absolutely terrible against the Steelers' defense that's very middle of the road. Um, yeah, so the one touchdown was to Josh Gordon. That was all of Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon went up, made a oh, play, mossed, catch. mossed whoever was covering him, and then tried to do the same thing and then just horribly underthrew it. It was <laughs> not a good throw at all. And maybe it was the rain, but, I mean, you're in Cleveland, dude. It's The weather's yeah. not great. Yeah, I mean – <clears throat> that I mean, and it's not like he hasn't played in bad weather. He played in Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I <laughs> I think I think we're going to see Baker Baker Mayfield sooner than we thought. Yeah, um, someone who we're not sure when we're going to see Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Connor looked uh, pretty good. James Connor looked pretty good. He looked pretty pretty good. I mean. 31 carries, 135 yards, averaged over four yards a carry, two touchdowns, um, was also involved in the passing game, caught five passes for 57 more yards. I mean, he's doing the Le'Veon Bell things. I mean, he's doing it. I mean, again, again, this is against Cleveland, so you can't really base too much of it. But, I mean, he ran with authority. He made some nice cuts. He looked like a running back one i mean he looked really good yeah um so let's not bring up wavy on bell because i took him second overall in my fantasy league Yikes. and i am very upset about it um but yeah james connor looked really good uh it just the it just kind of seems like a the type of offense that you just i mean obviously okay no one's wavy on bell but right no step, i said that facetiously yeah but it's just like saying that it's like it just seems like running backs step into the offense and shine like D'Angelo Williams was really good when Le'Veon Bell was hurt or suspended and then James Conner just blows the doors off of Cleveland and I mean and this is a good like this is a pretty good Cleveland run defense this Mm -hmm. this I mean that Miles Garrett um Emmanuel Ogba I mean they're good so it's a it's impressive. Yeah, so we'll see. Up next for the Steelers is Kansas City. I'm assuming we're still not going to see Le'Veon 
Um, so James Conner, time for him to show. I mean, because the Chiefs still have a decent defensive front. They still have a decent front seven. Um, um. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, that's the I and you know, you know, this tie is going to just completely mess up the playoff picture going forward. Oh, uh, it's gonna, it's <laughs> it's gonna screw everything up, and I can't wait. It's gonna be hilarious. Why are the? Uh, I don't understand how there are still ties in the NFL. Yeah, I don't get it either. It's extremely weird. Just take college's overtime rules. It's not that difficult. No, it's it, not. It's not like it's not like. The college players haven't done it. It's right. not like the NFL players haven't done it. So Super uh, that's weird. my that's my pet peeve. <laughs> I mean, just continuing with weird things. Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> is alive and well. I so, mean, um, that was unbelievable. I mean, that was one of the weirder things that we've seen. At, that's only week one. So, in my notes, I have just like a little some stats written down for each game sure. and the first thing i wrote under bucks at saints was what the hell happened <laughs> um sure yep sounds about because right. so drew Brees was drew Brees, yep. 439 yards three touchdowns michael thomas 18 catches yep 18's a lot um 180 yards alvin kamara 141 total yards three touchdowns and then Ryan Fitzpatrick, he had a perfect passer rating, I want to say, or was like a point one, or two off. Four and seventeen yards. It was it was point one off. He had one fifty six point three. Wow! What? What? Just give it to him. And then it just I I'm baffled. And this was a really good Saints defense last year. Yeah, I mean, still pretty. I mean, I don't know if you could say they're decent anymore after the Bucks hung forty eight on them, but yeah, I mean, that's I mean. Uh, again i'm i'm lost for words too because like what do you do if this continues i mean let's say Jameis winston comes back is his suspension four games it's three three so i mean Jameis winston comes back who do they who does tampa bay play going forward the eagles and the steelers so let's say tampa bay is two and one when Jameis comes back do you put Jameis Winston in there against the Bears defense that has Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd and Kyle Fuller and Adrian Amos? Or do you just keep running with Fitzpatrick? Look, I I think Winston is – Winston's time in Tampa Bay is not looking – it's not going to be too much longer. And I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick might be saying something about that these next couple weeks. I mean, even if I mean, let let's say the Bucks lose against Philadelphia, which I think we both expect them to. <clears throat> if Fitzpatrick has a relatively good game, like if like let's say he only throws one pick or no picks, I mean, that's. Do you think you got to keep rolling with him? Because like, the Eagles are a very good defense. I think next week we'll say a lot about Fitzpatrick going forward. Yeah, definitely. I, it'll be interesting for sure because I, I don't know what happened. I don't, honestly. I mean, this is the first time we've seen Mike Evans like ball out like we thought we would, and, and it, it was with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it's I mean, just it makes no sense. Football's dumb. <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, you wanted to say a little bit about Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I just <laughs> want to say. 
that I was 100% right about Patrick Mahomes. Even <laughs> though it's two games into his career, I had him as QB1 that year. And I am basking in the glory of the 257 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Even though like half of that was Tyreek Hill yards after catch, he he's really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looks really, really good. I mean, there were questions about his arm and his accuracy, but, I mean, he looks pretty good. I mean, and the Chargers are, aren't are a bad defense. The Chargers have a pretty solid defense. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're missing Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was huge. But they're a, they are really good defense. Just drafted Der- Derwin James. Um, mm-hmm. Their corners are their corners are really solid. They have Denzel Perryman, Melvin Ingram. So, I mean, it Patrick Mahomes looked good, and I, it's obviously too late to say. But after one game, I mean, it doesn't seem like such a bad move trading Alex Smith. No, not at all. And I mean, in Pittsburgh next week for Kansas City, so that'll be uh, his next challenge. I mean, because. I mean, obviously you play at the Chargers, and they have that tiny, tiny stadium and not a lot of fans. But, I mean, Pittsburgh's a whole other animal, so we'll see how he does there. Uh, one thing I wanted to hit on before we go into our teams, Andrew Luck's back. Oh, Thoughts? is he ever. Oh, I am currently wearing my Andrew Luck jersey, and don't fact-check me on that. But it's in my closet. So I'm wearing it in spirit, but he, uh, he looked so good and everyone is worried about him throwing them down the field and he's throwing around his body. He's chasing after people out there through the interception. He's the same Andrew Luck. Yeah. I mean, he had the one pick, which I mean, it's his first game in how long. So I, I'm not going to fault him for that, but I mean, they asked him to throw 53 times. Yeah, I have that on here too. Uh, that doesn't seem like a good game plan. <laughs> right. I mean, and I, that, I guess that says more about how they feel about his health. But still, I mean, why would you push it? <laughs> like, I mean, <clears throat> after that shoulder injury, I mean, he couldn't throw forever. But I mean, again, he looked good. I mean, I didn't see anything from him that worried me. Um, I mean, he looked strong. He looked poised. I, I think we're in for a Andrew Luck season. I mean, 39 for 53, not 300 plus yards, two touchdowns. Like you said, he was moving well. He's throwing, wasn't afraid to throw his body around. Wasn't afraid to get hit. Um, he does have a tough, tough stretch of four games coming up though. The Colts have at Washington at Philadelphia hosting the Texans and then at new England. So I, I think these next four games are really when we're going to see what Andrew Luck's made of in a, and how he's really feeling. Yeah. I mean, if this is any indication, the luck's going to be luck. He's going to throw mm-hmm. 35 plus touchdowns and we'll be close to winning the league in yards. So I'm not too worried about him just yet. Yeah. And actually let's, let's do one more comeback. Um, Deshaun Watson was back too. Patriots won 27, 20 again, again, a close game. The Houston, I mean, the Texans played, New England really close once again. I mean, Watson didn't have a great game. I mean, he only hit half of his passes. He had a touchdown and an interception. Um, ran for 40 yards on eight carries. But, I mean, he, he showed a 
he showed that same connection with DeAndre Hopkins. It looks like they're going to go right back to what they were before. If as long as Watson can come back and just keep building on this, I mean, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be playing just as well as he was uh, last year before he went down. Um, yeah, I think he's clearly missing Will Fuller, who was mm-hmm. who was another one of his favorite targets. I don't know if he's going to be as good as he was last year because I don't know how sustainable right. uh, nine nine point seven um, touchdown percent, uh, rate is, but he he looked good especially going going up against a patriots team that is probably gonna have the asc run through new england again this year so yeah you would imagine um it's it was a tough assignment the first game back after mm-hmm. an acl tear but he he looked fine yeah and he gets the titans next week so that'll be a good uh follow-up game for us to see really how Deshaun Watson's progressing. Yeah, definitely. And now we get to <laughs> actually I'll go last this one because I went first last time and I think we should end on mine. So you go with your Jimmy G uh fandom. You go first. Okay. <laughs> okay, so um what the, as much as I like to joke about how perfect Jimmy Garoppolo is, he's not. <laughs> And I knew that even before today, despite what a lot of people think. Um, look, this is a tough assignment week one. Um, his his number one receiver in Marquise Goodwin goes down, doesn't catch a ball all day. Um, his top two um, right guards get hurt. And so they have to move first-round pick Mike McGlinchey from tackle to guard and play um, the third-string guard at right tackle because they didn't trust him there and this look that obviously that's going to help but garoppolo has to stay more consistent he constantly is missing high on passes he's some you can sometimes he stares down receivers um there was one play there was one throw to dante pettis um where he stepped on up in the pocket, pocket collapsed. He rolled out and basically off his heels without looking through just an absolute dime to Dante Pettis in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Um, that there's no run game. And then of course the three interceptions, one of them, Kendrick Bourne says he ran the, ran the wrong route. Um, I don't know. And then, <laughs> And then another one was, again, Garoppolo overthrowing Pettis. And then the last one was just – was his worst throw as a 49er. That that interception to Harrison Smith was just um, awful. And on the defense – yeah, it was not good. And then on the defensive side, um, they actually looked pretty good. DeForest Buckner, who might be the most underrated defender in the league – um, two and a half sacks. He's really, really good. And a lot of people don't know about him just because San Francisco hasn't been relevant the past few years. But mm-hmm. when, when they're on the rise with Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think a lot more people are going to start noticing DeForest Buckner. And they had a rookie linebacker, Fred Warner, out of BYU, um, make his debut today. He was all over the field. He looked really good. 11 tackles, couple for loss. Um, 
when him and Ruben, when Ruben Foster gets back from suspension in week three, that's going to be one of the more dangerous linebacker duos in the league. No, I agree with you. Um, I wanted the Bears to take Buckner when that was when that draft happened. Obviously, they didn't. But I mean, he's a hell of a player, and like you said, Warner too. I mean, he's also really good. I mean, he's very solid. But uh, your boy Richard Shimmer, uh, Richard Sherman too. Sure. <laughs> but uh, Sherman, no, no passes defense. I don't think no. But I mean, what do you think? I mean, as expected from him. Yeah, I mean, he got he got kind of cooked on one play from um, Stefan Diggs, but he was only targeted twice yesterday, mm-hmm. so it, it was kind of hard to evaluate him. Um, the Stefan Diggs touchdown was with Akella Witherspoon in coverage, and like, uh, Witherspoon just has to get better. I, he's he's going to be really good. I'm really excited about his future, but. There are just a few more things that he has to work on, especially in coverage. Mm. And, I mean, for the 49ers, like, there was a lot of hype for them. To go and open your season in Minnesota, I mean, that's a tough first game. <laughs> like, and, and yeah, it, and look, Garoppolo especially. I mean, that secondary is preposterous. Yeah, and look, as bad as Garoppolo played, it's not like the Vikings blew the 49ers out. Right. It, this was a really close game and had, had Jimmy Garopp, had George Kittle not dropped, um, a ball, uh, from Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the, this game would have been so much different because there were two, possibly three drop touchdowns this game from 49ers players. And, um, yeah, it could have, it could have been a totally different story. And I don't think, I think that the hype train had that happen on, the Niners would have gotten out of control, so it, it would have been a bit, bit ridiculous. Yeah, but you know whose hype train is not ridiculous? Homest. Aaron freaking Rodgers. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the Bears game now. Oh, I've been waiting for this all day. I mean, I'll start with the good. I'll start with the good stuff. Cleo Mack is as advertised. He's unbelievable. I mean, he had a pick six. He had a strip sack. He had how many? He had he had one. He had one sack. He had a strip sack. He was rushing the passer. He had a pass defense. He had the pick, he had the pick six. He was just eating up Brian Balaga. I mean, he forced Brian Balaga. He, Brian Balaga was so scared of Cleo Mack that Balaga jumped to a false start early in the game. And, I mean, <laughs> Cleo Mack's just unbelievable. I mean, this trade is going to be one of the best in Bears history. We have him for the next six years, too. It's going to be ridiculous. I'm so excited to watch Cleo Mack just go into the prime of his career as a Bear. Akeem Hicks, too. He was all over the place. I mean, he's still just so strong. He got triple teamed at one point, and he still just absolutely took the center, right guard, and left guard's lunch money. I mean, just absolutely bullied them. It was incredible. Um, so the defense has been was good. I mean, they were as expected. Elsewhere, it started good. It started so good. You go out to a 17 to nothing lead at halftime. The first drive was so beautiful. 
going hitting Allen Robinson, hitting Taylor Gabriel. Mitch is Mitchell Trubisky is making these throws. You're seeing some funky some funky uh, formations. Nagy's mixing it up. He split Charles Leno out wide a couple times. I mean, it was just it was ridiculous. I was so hyped up. I was so happy. Everything looked great. I mean, Lambeau Field was silent at one point in the second quarter, and then it Rogers went out with an injury. Comes back to start the second half, and everything fell apart. Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things, just brought them all the way back. The Packers scored all 24 of their points in the second half, beat the Bears 24-23. Had a couple unbelievable throws that only Aaron Rodgers makes. That <sighs> and throw just, to Allison in the back of the end zone was ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, it's just... <laughs> It's some it, it it was incredible, and I mean, but the thing is, you're the Bears. You are up seventeen to nothing at half, and then you score six points in the second half. You get a field goal in each of the last two quarters, and I just I don't know what happened. I've thought about it so much. I've read absolutely everything. I've looked at all the clips. The defense was playing well. The offense and defense are feeding feeding off each other. Everybody's playing well. Everything's great. They had their foot on the Packers' throat. And then it just, like, Nagy closed the playbook. I don't, like, there's no other way to explain it. He closed the playbook. He went so conservative. I don't know what voodoo magic John Fox was pulling, but Matt Nagy become, became John Fox there. He just went are you Are you really a Andy Reid disciple until you... Take your foot off the gas towards the end of the game when you're up by 20 points. It's yeah, I saw that. I, I saw that tweet too. It's, yeah, it hurt, it hurt me. Like it, you have Ellen Robinson and Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel, and then you just stop using them. I mean, Nagy fell in love with the screen pass, which only one of which went for more than three yards all game, and he <laughs> fell in love with gadget plays with Tariq Cohen. I mean, it just makes no sense. Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen both averaged over five yards a carry, and it's like he forgot about it. I mean, he just was he fell in love with a handful of plays and just wouldn't go away from them. And then comes down to the last drive of the game, and all of a sudden you start asking Mitch to make these long throws again, which he hadn't even attempted in two quarters. So it makes no sense. I have no. I mean, it's week one. I was already expecting the Bears to lose, but. I mean, this just felt like a game they should have won. Like, usually when we lose to the Packers, it's a, okay, they deserve to lose that one because they got beat around and it, it, they got embarrassed. This one, they absolutely should have won. It was in their hands, and, and Nagy took his feet off the take, took his foot off the pedal. I mean, there's I, I tweeted this earlier. There's no two ways about it. Nagy took his foot off the gas, and that's what allowed them to come back. It, I mean, and my biggest, my biggest problem with this game is that Deion Sims and Anthony Miller had the same amount of targets. <laughs> In no world should that ever happen. Deion Sims had three targets. He had two too many targets. Deion Sims should never have more than one or two targets a game. I mean, that's it, absolutely not. Anthony Miller had three targets, and that should never happen ever again. <sighs> so, I mean, I still so, believe in this team. I, I, I think Nagy, I think... He doesn't make the same mistake again. I think he made the mistake of closing the playbook, going conservative, and I don't think we ever see that again this season. I think we see the adjustments next week. 
Yeah. So what were your thoughts as a whole on noted Packers fan, Mitchell Trubisky? <laughs> yeah. You kept sending me those screenshots of his old tweets. Um, I was loving it. I mean, I didn't see anything that I hated from Mitch. He looked really good. I mean, in that first quarter, he was eight for nine for 99 yards and a touchdown. And he rushed for a touchdown. He looked good. He looked poised. He was making tough throws. He The one ball to Allen Robinson down the sideline, he put only where Allen Robinson could get it. Same thing in the red zone to that uh, ball to Trey Burton. I forget who was in coverage on Burton, but the the defensive back was trailing and Mitch put it low and in front of Burton so Burton could use his body to shield the ball so that the defender couldn't come and cut it. I mean, it was a really good throw, and he made a couple other tight throws. I really liked what I saw from him. At the end, obviously, things got a little out of hand. Um, Not out of hand, but they fell apart a little bit at the end because of the conservative play calling and just some of the weird choices. But I think first quarter Mitch, that first half Mitch, is more of what we're going to see. I think, like I said, I don't think Nagy makes the same mistake he made this week. I think that the playbook stays open next week. I think he gives Mitch the freedom to kind of work with Robinson and Miller and those guys. Um, I still think Mitch can be a very good quarterback. And I still think Nagy's a very good coach. I, I have no issues with this. It's just there were a couple mistakes, and I, I think those are corrected. And just the last thing I'll say is that Kyle Fuller, oh my God, right in the crook of his arm. Game, game in his hands. Game in his hands. That I mean, the game is literally in his hands because even if the Bears get stuffed, you kick a field goal and you win. Mm-hmm. It's, oh my God. Gave him all that money, and that's that's his impression on week one. That's ridiculous. Ugh. I need Cody Whitehair. <laughs> I need Cody Whitehair out from center too. I cannot handle him playing center anymore. We know he can't snap very well. We know his issues at center, and yet we spend a second-round pick on James Daniel, who is a center, a Big Ten center, and we're keeping him on the bench and trying to convert him to a guard, which is Cody Whitehair's natural position. (laughs) Well, yeah. Sounds like we both had rough weeks. Oh my god! I was, it's just uh, at least I expect things to get better. I I still believe Nagy's a very good coach. Mitch is still the quarterback of the future. It's just that, that was a heartbreaker. It really was. Yeah, that was great to watch for non Bears fans. No, and I mean even as a football fan, I can I can uh, appreciate what Aaron Rodgers did on one leg. The the cart game. <laughs> the cart moment. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! But uh, right. yeah, I think that is a wrap for our first show, technically second show, but the reborn between the hashes podcast. Uh, for myself, I'm Jake Hassan. Sean, pleasure having you back. Thank you. It means yeah. a lot. We we look forward to doing this in the future. Yep, yeah, can't wait. Hopefully, every week from now on. But 